Aloha and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph brings a message entitled, Fearless Before God, will be in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, and in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. We've been talking a lot about the Spirit, and we're talking about prayer tonight, and the message is really simple. If I, if I had to bring the message down to one sentence, and I might because we're running short, um, it would be that, that we, we can be bold about our prayer life. We can go straight to the Lord with what's on our hearts. He'll bless us, and he, and he wants us, and he wants to hear our prayers, and he wants to do the things that need to be done. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come fearlessly into God's presence, assured of his glad welcome. As I look at that, the first thing that, that comes out, let me tell you a story a little bit first, though. I, I just, I, I got a couple emails this week that were turn-ons. One, one was, uh, somebody was brand new in our church and they got sucked into one of our prayer groups. You know, we pray together. We're going to do it tonight when we take communion. And um, they came away elated that they made friends. That suddenly, I, I'm, I'm new, I don't know a soul, now I know people. And not only that, they're praying for me. Good thing, huh? And just that we, that we come out of ourselves. But there's a guy in our church named Jerry Griffin who is on a little sojourn to New Zealand. He's, he's from England, he's an airline pilot, he got out of the airline pilot business because jobs are hard to find, and, and he was flopping around, he was living in New Zealand, he was living in Hawaii, and, and he found if he'd go back for New Zealand for a few months, he could get a dual citizenship. And that's a good thing for him. And so he's down there. And, and he goes down, and, and, the, and the world falls apart. The job that he was promised, he just landed a great job in Hawaii. He got a better one in Auckland. He goes down there. The job is gone. Uh, next thing you know, his brother is missing at sea. Just everything that could go wrong in your life. There's three or four other things as you read off the litany. I know Jerry, and I know Jerry's been through some pretty desperate times. And I know him to, to know the Lord in prayer. The long story short is he got a better job than the one that he lost. And the other thing is that uh, one day, out of the blue, he gets a knock on the door and he answers the door, and it's his brother. They had been rescued. I think that prayer moves the hand of God. And it says here that because of our faith in Christ, I, I, I got some scriptures for you. John 14, 6 says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Uh, this isn't faith in faith. You know, sometimes I think that we Christians misplace our faith. We put our faith in our faith. You know, I feel goosebumps today. Or I feel good. Um, you know, you could just be James Brown and feel good. We start to put, to put our, our faith in our ability to psych ourselves up. And it's not that at all. It's, I have faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came on a mission. I think Jesus as a missionary. He came on a mission to rescue me. He came on a mission to die for my sin, to cancel out the guilt and the debt of my sin. He's the Passover Lamb of God. And as I put my faith in Jesus Christ, then, because of that, it says, I can now come fearlessly into God's presence. And when I think of coming fearlessly 
into God's presence, I immediately think of this scripture in Psalm 111 that talks about coming to God with fear. How do you come fearlessly when you come with fear? Well, if you fear the Lord enough that you deeply, deeply revere and honor him because you know he's boss and you know uh, that, that he gets the last word and you know that it's smart to submit to him and to yield to him, then when you come to him knowing that in your heart, you come to a place where he just says, welcome, come on in, you know, as you are. And there's this, there's this, there's this, it's not a dichotomy, there's a tension that, 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 that is always going to be there if you're maturing in the Lord. And it's a fear of the Lord on the one hand that causes you to come fearlessly, boldly before the throne of God in prayer. I, I, you know, I know Christians who don't fear the Lord at all. And they're wishy-washy and they flip-flop all the time and they're in and out and they're up one day and down the next. And, and the, the, the lesson that they really need to understand is the one that's over in Hebrews chapter 12 that says, whom the Lord loves, he, what's it say? Huh? Well, it, it, it depends on the translation of the Bible you're coming from. But I like the one that says he spanks. Yeah, you get out of hand, you get whack. And when you start to learn that, you don't get out of hand. Now you come to the Lord and you can walk in his presence uh, fearless. You got a clean heart. You got a, a relationship with him. And, and, and now you can come and you can dump it all on the table. I was talking to somebody today and they said they were going through a real hard time last Saturday. And, and they said that what they didn't want to admit, they were mad at this and mad at that and mad at the other person. And finally they realized they really weren't mad at all these things. What they really were was mad at God. And then they were going, I don't want to be mad at God. Well, sometimes you are. And if you fear the Lord enough that you respect him and you walk respectfully with him, you, you, you come to the place where then you have this peace with God that it's okay to tell him when he's disappointed you. It's okay, it's okay to tell him when you're feeling hurt or wounded or mad at him and that you don't understand what he's doing in your life. And you need to understand that if, as you come in reverence, that you can come in honesty and you can lay the whole thing out and the Lord is willing to hear you and to go places with you and do your do whatever. It says that you can be assured of his glad welcome. And I have another scripture here. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. We read this and talked about it at length a few weeks ago. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but it says that we already are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. I already have access. You know, it's like being seated on the New York Stock Exchange. I may not be there all the time, but I have access to be there whenever I want to. And because of Christ, I can come to the Lord uh, without fear of retribution. God's not going to kill me or beat me up or destroy my life. And I can come and I can lay out whatever is there. And he's going to listen to me and he's going to welcome me gladly. I have another scripture over in Hebrews. And I call this section... I get by with a little help from my friends. You can tell how old I am from the songs that I know. It's in chapter 10. It starts out with verse 19, and it's, and it's just talking about persevering and, and in our prayer life and getting close to the Lord. And it ends up talking about praying together with each other. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about some ways to pray tonight when I get done. In verse 19, it says, So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly... Enter into heaven's most holy place 
because of the blood of Jesus. That's what we just read in Ephesians. That because of what Jesus did on the cross, I can walk with boldness and courage into, into God's presence. You know, I, I, uh, uh, I, I, I've met a few important people in my life from time to time. And the ones that I don't know, uh, I'm always a little, you know. The ones that I do know are my friends. And so I, I, I can go in their office. I can go in their place. I can go up to them. And, and, and we're just buds, you know. It's, just, it's, it's an easy thing. You find yourself, as you get to know the Lord, that you come to this place where we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Now, to me, that's not talking about just flashing a couple of prayers up there. That's talking about coming to a place where I'm spending time alone with the Lord. I spent two hours this morning uh, just praying and talking to the Lord and reading and doing stuff. And, it, and you have access to God in the heavenlies. Uh, and, and some of us are not even aware of that. And so this is just kind of a real basic Christian truth here, but it's because of the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, this is the new life-giving way that Christ has opened up for us through the sacred curtain by means of his death for us. Since we have a great high priest who rules over God's people, let us go right into the presence of God with true hearts fully trusting him. It's making allusion to the Old Testament priesthood where there was a place called the Holy of Holies. It might be like you walk into a, a tent because it was a tabernacle about this size. And then you come to a place that's about the size of this platform and there's a huge curtain and only the high priest can go there. But it basically what we're taught throughout the book of Hebrews is that Jesus, our high priest, has torn the, the curtain down. And that because we have friendship with him, we can come to the holy place where God lives and we can speak directly and speak our mind and speak our peace. It says, let us go right into the presence of God with true hearts, fully trusting him for our evil consciences. How many of you got an evil conscience? I didn't ask you to raise your hand. Good night. <laughs> we all do. But it says that our evil consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood. And that's a picture. Here's another scripture if you want to write it down. Exodus 12, verses 21 to 23, when the, the people of Israel were leaving Egypt and leaving slavery. And God gave them this sign that was to be a sign to an angel that was going to pass over. And it was a sign of protection on the families of the Israelis while the Egyptians had horrid things happen in their lives. And, and the sign was that they would take a little lamb and they would kill the lamb. And they would barbecue and eat it. But they would take its blood and they would take a, a plant called hyssop. And they'd take the, the, the branches of hyssop and they'd dip it in the blood of the lamb. And they'd put it over the top of the door and on both sides of the doorposts. And if you do that, the blood on the top of the door is going to drip to the floor. And it's intriguing that it makes the sign of a, of a, cloth, of a cross in blood. And, and it so pictures what Jesus would do for us as our Passover lamb. And it says here that, that our consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water, suggesting baptism. Without wavering, let us hold tightly to the hope that we have. I like that. Underline that. Without wavering, let us hold tightly to the hope that we have. You know, there, there there's times that... In, in my life, I don't know about your life, but there's times in my life I just have to choose faith. I just have to go to a place where, where I, I'm freaking out about something. Things aren't working the way that I want them to do. And I, and, I, and I stop and I ask myself two questions. One is, do you think you're going to be worrying about this a year from now? 
And I always know the answer to that is no, because I've known the Lord for so long that nothing has ever lasted a year. And God always has a way out. And I know that in the, in the, in the present moment, I'm flipping out and I can't figure out which end is up. But I also know that 12 months from now, this will be a memory that I'm looking at. And, and it'll be probably a fond memory because I'm looking back thinking, what did God do 11 and a half months ago in my life that I was so desperate about? And, and so I, I asked myself, will I be nuts a year from now as I'm nuts right now? And, and, and this is part of, to me, uh, without wavering. You know, coming to a place, I'm wavering, I'm, I'm, I'm wishy-washing around, and I'm coming to a place where I get my head under control, and I come and, and I hold on to my faith in God. Here's the second question that, that I ask myself is, 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 when did God fail you last? Ralph, when did God fail you last? You know, I look at my life, and I, I, I always see my life through Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. It says that, that we should delight ourselves in the Lord and he'll give us the desire of our heart and we should commit our way into him and he'll bring it to pass. And I look around my life and I've got worries like you got worries and I don't know about tomorrow and I don't know about what the stock market's doing this week. I don't like it very well. You know, this and that and the other thing. I don't know about terrorism. I surely pray about that every day. Pray for our national leaders. But... But I know this is God has never failed me. God has never let me down. And when the scripture says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. I look around my life and, 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 I, and I have all the things that I desire. In my wife, in my children, in my home. Down to being 58 years old and just bought a surfboard. You know, I, I, got, I, I got going for me what I need. Am I the richest man on the planet? No. I wouldn't even want to be. God has never failed me. And so when it starts talking about stuff like holding on without wavering, I think that there comes times that, that, that that's not just, oh, I read those words in the Bible and I feel that, they're, that suddenly I'm just goosebumps all over. No, no, no. Sometimes it's just, it's just down in the dirt work. And I have to ask myself, when did God mess you over last? Well, he never did. What do you think you're going to be whining about a year from now? I don't know, but it's not what I'm whining about today. Make sense? It gets practical. And then it goes on and, and, and tells us that we should think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. See, sometimes you have to ask those questions of your friends because they're wallowing in it. And you start thinking of ways of getting their their mind off of themselves and their pain and their problems and onto the rest of the world around them. Think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. And then it says, and let's not neglect meeting together as some people do, but let's encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. We need each other. We need to be together. You know, you heard these guys up here announcing mini church tonight. The best way into mini church is not to come here on a Wednesday night. That's a way. But that's really for you if you don't have some friends in our church already. But I know that most people who ever come here come here because a friend brought them. And so a, a, a good thing to ask your friend is, hey, why don't you come to mini church with me? Another good thing to ask your friend is, hey, why don't you ask me to come to your mini church with you? You know? 
Um, but it's this is, to me, this is the place we learn to pray. This is the place where we come for support. This is the place where, where, where we really get it. This is, you know, I'm half a preacher if you're not in many church talking about what we're talking about on the weekend and it making something, you know, of a difference in your life. It's just another thing to hear a talking head rattle on up here. It's a whole better thing to get in and discuss it and to apply it and to challenge each other and to, to, to let it soak into your heart and do something with your life. But I want to talk to you about prayer tonight. And I, I, I just, this, this part, this is free. You know, this isn't in the notes. This is just me yakking. And, and if you get the long notes off the web, I already changed it. So you better write because it's not all on there. If you're not used to praying or if your mind wanders when you pray, go get one of these. It just says, My Journey with God. You don't have to get one of these. You could go buy it off of Choice Books racks. They got them. I saw them. Little journals. And, and write your prayers down. Yeah, I've had times in my life that it was really hard for me to pray. And I don't know why. But I would sit down to pray, and immediately my brain is off in Never Never Land. I'm planning something, worrying about something, dreaming about something. I'm doing anything but praying. And so I've learned to discipline myself during those times by just writing out my prayers. Now, the really cool thing about writing your prayers in a journal is um, I'll often write whatever I'm getting out of the Bible, little notes about that. But when I write them down, I date them. And then I go back every so often and I just run through the list and I start checking off when did God do this, when did God do this, when did God do this. And it's a huge faith builder. And if you're brand new in the Lord, I would say start out your prayer life by journaling it. You know, I, I, I mean, there, there are some of us with a gift of intercession and, and that is a calling of, of God in our life to pray for lots of people and lots of problems. I don't have that gift. I thank God I have almost 200 people who have that gift that yesterday I popped out an email to and they're all praying for me. But I don't have that gift myself. And so I don't, I don't normally have real long prayer times. Today I did. Normally I don't. But most of us, when we're starting out, if you've got eight things that you're going to write down as a prayer list for the day, it's a big deal. Write it out. It's a good place to start. Another place that we, that, that we learn about praying, the scripture talks in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, about just praying without ceasing. You know, let the people on the freeway think you're nuts because you're, you're driving along talking, because you're talking to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is hear, hearing you. Pray without ceasing. Pray continuously. Another thing that is important to do, Matthew chapter 18 Verses 19 and 20 tell us that we should, we should pray with our friends. The Lord says, if two or more of you get together in my name, then whatever you ask for, whatever you agree on, that's the thing I'm going to do for you. And I can't tell you how many times. I'm a pastor. I know this stuff, right? I wrote a book on prayer. I should have two more of them that I've written that I just never did anything with yet. But I know this stuff. But there's so many times that I'll be in a room with somebody and whining and griping and going on. And I'm not supposed to tell you this, huh? I'm kind of ruining my, my veneer up here. And, and somebody will say, well, couldn't we pray about that? And it's like, oh, yeah. See, I, I think we always, all of us face this, 
that when there's a crisis in our life, there comes a choice that you make, and the choice is, do I trust the Lord with this, or do I just try to figure it out on my own? And sometimes we're scared to trust the Lord with it, because what if I trust the Lord and nothing happens? Faith always involves that risk of I'm putting myself out there and in God's hands. And so sometimes I find myself doing everything but praying. And this is where friends come in. Hey, Ralph, what about what you said Sunday? Let's pray. Oh, yeah. And you know what? Even my ignorant, no-account faith, God honors, and stuff happens. And so there's, there's, if you're not praying with friends, you need to be. You need to have some friends that you can pray with. Another method of prayer that stands out to me in the scripture, Matthew, you could go to chapter 14, verse 23, talks about Jesus going off all by himself all night long to pray. I was talking to somebody this week that was feeling a little guilty for wanting to just have prolonged times of prayer. They're new in the Lord, and they're used to praying with their friends, and they're feeling almost like selfish for going off and having you know, by myself prayer times. And, and God will give you that uh, and he'll meet with you in those places. You know, I, I remember it, it, when I was a youth pastor, I'd take young people out and we go out in the woods in California and we do a thing for four hours. You just, you got your Bible and a notebook and there's nobody to talk to. That was the, the rule. Don't talk to anybody else. And we would come back afterwards and we'd meet and we'd share. And you'd find that people who said, I never heard the voice of the Lord before, would come back having written down several meaningful instructions that the Lord gave to them in those times of prolonged prayer. And so it's something that we need to do. Then the last part, I, I always think we need to talk about this and, I, and, and probably don't talk about it enough, but the Bible talks about praying in the Spirit. And Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 4 and 5, and verse 18. And he, he suggests that praying in the Spirit is praying in a language that God gives to you. And people call it speaking in tongues. Well, I always speak in the tongue. This one. He calls it praying in the Spirit. And he says that, that he wished that we all did it. And he goes on and he says, I thank God that I do it more than you all. And he says there that speaking in this language of prayer, is praying in the Spirit, is something that builds you up in the Lord. He uses the word edifies, which means like to build a house. And he suggests we ought to do it. Over in Romans chapter 8, there's a very parallel passage to that. Verses 26 to 28, where it says that, that when we, that we come to the end of our rope and we don't know how to pray, that the Spirit will speak through us and, and that, that he who searches the mind of the Spirit will, will figure out what's going on in your life and will answer those prayers. That's a scary deal for most Americans because we don't want God to have that much control. You're praying stuff, I don't know what you're talking about and you're going to answer it. I'm not sure I want you to do that, but we should because... Uh, we're all the way back to where we started to fear the Lord. It's when I, when I come to a place where I really reverence God and I'm willing to let him have whatever is his way in my life, now I'm in a place where I start to find out how good his way is and how much he wants to bless me and, and, and do what he wants to do. Is this good tonight? Okay, join me in this prayer. God, I, I know that you exist. I think I've always known that. 
And I'm at a place right now in my life where I really want to come to terms with you. And so I, I want to just offer you myself, my life, my future. Uh, I want to reach out and accept your offer of forgiveness, of love, and of peace. And God, I, I, I'm not promising to be religious or anything like that. What I am saying is I want a friendship with you. And I realize that that friendship is possible because you sent your son Jesus on that mission to the cross. And he died so that we could all be sprinkled in the blood, having clean consciences. And that we could all have the freedom to come boldly into your presence. And Lord, I want to live my life that way. And so I, I open my heart to you and I, and, I, and I promise to walk with you. In the name of your son Jesus, I pray. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 